This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. We've got a question that's been submitted today about numbers today, Pastor Michael. A book of the Bible or like quantitative? Quantitative like numbers. Quantities. How many of this or that? So here's the question. Interesting. As I have been learning more about the Bible, I've learned that there are many specific numbers in the Bible with significant meaning, such as 40, 7, 3, and the big number, 666. Never heard that one. So are these numbers exact or are they rounded? What's the significance of this? Ish. 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 Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Is zero a number? Of course it is. It is a holding factor. A holding factor. But is a holding factor a number? (laughs) Well, it tells us a quantity of zero. Okay. We'll put that on Facebook and we'll see if uh, (laughs) If what our audience has to say. I I, I don't know the answer. I am not a numbers expert. You're right. Let me just uh, process a frustration that I have. Okay? Sure. So let me be honest. It's a frustration with me and everybody else. Okay. So I remember seven years old. I'm reading the Bible. I grew up in a, my mom was a Christian. Uh, my dad didn't become a Christian until later, went to a Catholic school. So mm-hmm. the Bible was around me, okay. normal part of my life. And uh, I'm a thinker. So um, one of my, one of the things that I grew up with was the was growing up in a world where I was hearing Catholic doctrine and Protestant doctrine. And so from a very young age, I mean, five, six years old and on, I'm, I'm trying to make the difference in my brain. I understand. You're trying a, to make it work. I'm trying to make it work, you know? Yeah, and so, how does this fit together? But as I got older, I would start seeing numbers in the Bible. And mm-hmm. I would wonder, how did they know? Is that accurate? Like there was really only 200,000 people exactly. Like who did the counting? Yeah. I would find there would be, especially when I got to junior high and high school, differences in two different accounts. So there would be an account, say, in one narrative in one book and another narrative in another book. And it mm-hmm. almost always had to right. do with the number of men in an army. Okay, right. It would really bother me. And uh, I had actually, in junior high and high school, you know, as a junior high, high school boy, my brain was very black and white, very analytical. And I wanted to know that the Bible had no errors and no contradictions sure, and it was sure. flawless and perfect. And what I had to realize was that two people can give two different numbers and yet not contradict at all. Right. So one army could be counting just warriors. One army could count, be counting um, families. Mm-hmm. One, depending on the culture and the way they count and depending the way they put stuff they together. Counting. Some cultures round. Yes. Some cultures are obsessed with specifics. Uh, there's a million man army. Exactly. Exactly. 999,999. Right. So part of me wishes that when people try to discredit the Bible based on the numbers that are being used, that they would give the same kind of vernacular credit that they would give to anybody else. So how many people were at church this morning? I don't know, about 300. Mm-hmm. 300 exactly? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I didn't. I mean, even if I counted, I might have gotten one wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Or five. You never know. Uh, maybe somebody came in later. Maybe they weren't, you know, whatever. My point is that I just wish that people would not try to approach the Bible and make it do things that we would never even expect ourselves to do because we do the same thing when we count. Right. And, and that's I'm not what I think that's what you're saying when I say yeah, 300 people. Yeah. Ish. We sometimes in our culture and in our personality count very specific numbers. Sometimes we round off. Sometimes we round off to the nearest 100, sometimes the nearest 10. Yep. Depends on how we're rounding too. If I want to talk about like how much is this thing going to cost, right? If it's a big item, I might say, "Oh, my washing machine costs about $1,000." Mm-hmm. You know, it costs 1,000 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> 
you know, no. <laughs> but when I want to know how much money is in my account, I want to know to now the penny. Now you want to know the penny, yeah. Right. There's a very different motivation. It's a different context. It's a different account. It's a different situation. So just giving the biblical authors the freedom to be in their own context with their own values, with their own cultural methods, mm-hmm. understanding that some armies are being counted from a foreign perspective. Some armies are being counted from a Jewish perspective. And even in those perspectives, each different circumstance could summarize, could um, give you the ish number, could give you exact numbers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just kind of giving everybody a little leverage. But that's the question is, are numbers in the Bible exact or rounded? What, what would you say? I would say both, you know, and again, you've, you've done a good job of kind of going off and explaining that how we count in our time is exactly the way they counted in biblical times. Yep. Sometimes it's rounded. Sometimes it's very specific. For me, it, the rounded numbers don't bother me. No, you not know, at all. Personally, I have no problem saying, hey, you know, there was, uh, you know, 144,000, you know, Jewish people uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 7. Okay, all right. Except, you know, all the tribes had 12,000. Okay, I, I, I get that. It's, it's a rounded number. There's other many, many other places that rounded numbers are used. I don't have any problem with that. The, the the one that surprises me is when they get very, very, very specific. Yep. So let me give you a couple examples of that. In Numbers 3, they're talking about counting the number of firstborn children during the Exodus time. And in Numbers 3, 43, it says that there were 22,273 firstborn males. Wow. It's pretty specific. Right, very, very specific. Now, again, that number does not mention the women. It doesn't mention families. It's counting males that were there. And it's like, okay, so who counted all those? So we have that in several places in the Old Testament. And the crazy thing is we have it in the New Testament too. Yep. When Jesus uh, tells the disciples, cast your net on the other side of the, of the boat bring them in, and so the disciples cast the net on the other side of the boat. And these fishermen disciples, they count, and there is 153 large fish. Now, I always want to say, you know, meaning the way I think, uh, what about the small fish? Mm -hmm. You're counting the big fish. How many small fish were they? Or were they only big fish that they caught? But 153, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. Okay, and it's kind of surprising why didn't they just say, hey, we had about 150 fish? I guarantee you when they put that number down, they knew the significance. They knew why they counted. Right. So somebody posited once, that's how many known nations there were in the world. Now I can't validate or not validate that. But if that were true and that was common knowledge, there's 153 known nations in the world. That would be like, wow, you're going to become a fisher of men from all the different nations. Mm. Now, again, mm-hmm. I have no ability to verify that that is true or not. Right. You know, there's like right. all these like – yep pop culture interpretations of random text and sometimes they're true and sometimes they're not, (laughs) you know, here's what I do know. They wrote that number specifically on purpose. Whether it's rounded or whether it's specific, it is accurate. It is truthful. There is a reason that the biblical author gave us that number. We trust the authority of God's word. And the intentions weren't a lie. So it's interesting because if the biblical authors had intentions of making things seem better than they are, well, it almost seems like every biblical author is making them worse than they are, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they they do not elevate biblical heroes or biblical stories in crazy ways. I mean, almost always things are pretty bad and God's people do dumb things. So there doesn't seem to be hyperbole. Like if you look into Assyrian records of numerical counting, they hyperinflate numbers because part of their cultural value is 
the winners rewrite history and they rewrite it to glorify their kings. And so the Assyrians were known for hyperinflation of numbers and they were known for telling folklore around all these stories. And the Israelites had no reputation of that. The, the Israelites were actually known for their, their accuracy and they, in their histories, um, amplified the errors of their kings. It was a very different cultural concept and context, which brings up a subject of inerrancy. Right. We say the Bible is without error. And then we have this prepositional phrase. It's really pivotal. In the, the original, original manuscripts. manuscripts. Mm -hmm. When the author penned that for the first time, that was inspired. Correct. What happened is that document got copied, which got copied, which got copied, and eventually some errors in copies occurred. There's a science called textual criticism, which mm -hmm. is unbelievable. It takes thousands of years of documents and copies and copies and copies and copies, and uh, scientifically filters through all of them, through technology, through common sense, yes. et cetera. And so now they say that with 101% accuracy, we have we, all of the original manuscripts right. written. In fact, the only problems that we have come down to two issues. There are a few extra texts that we think were added, but it's plausible they That's were in the correct. original, but they're inconsequential in terms of interpretation, application, et cetera. Or doctrine. And the other aspect has to do with very minuscule things like the spelling of a name, the spelling the of a name, punctuation, punctuation. The um, numbers, because sometimes numbers ha are, it's, it's just very complicated in the Hebrew mm -hmm. language. The Greek language is a lot more yeah, crystal Greek clear. Greek is a little easier to understand numbers. Yep. Hebrew, not quite sure sometimes the numbering, the way in which they used numbers. And But what we do know is that um, with everything ever written, whether or not we have a manuscript that has a little bit off spelling of the name, we already know the right name, so it's a functional non-issue. Whether or not the copy had a grammatical like twist in it that like just we have earlier ones that show us the right grammar, mm -hmm. so that's a right. non-issue. And really one of the big final questions are, are going to be down to three or four locations in the Old Testament where there are numerical discrepancies, which are either one of two things. Two different authors from two different perspectives artic articulating two different things. So, for example, author one counts the people before one war. Author two counts, counts it one month later yeah, after, the after war. another war, yeah. which is all before yeah. the big war that's being talked about. Sure. Both have good, honest you know, motivations. But what's documented, so is this a scribal error somewhere in the process? Mm -hmm. Is this a perspective error? But here's what we know. Never is it like, and they won the victory and one million people survived and then it's, and they lost and only three people survived. It, it never is that it's radically never, different. It's always, we won. It's 1.1. Yeah. It's 1. 1.2 it's million, you know, yeah. and it's, again, that, that's not a specific well, example. Let me, let me give you a close. specific example. And I'll give you one that I've heard. Uh, non-believers throw at me and say, see, the Bible's wrong. And it comes to how many years was the Exodus? Mm -hmm. Because in one place in, in the Old Testament, it says that it was 400 years. In another place in the Old Testament, it says it was 430 years. Guess what? In the New Testament, mm -hmm. Acts says it was 400 years. In Galatians, it says it's 430 years. So which one is it? Is it 400 years or 430 years? See, let me point to you. The Bible is wrong. Well, we've already talked about that. In one place, they're using rounded numbers. In other places, they're using specific numbers. 400, 430 years. To me, we're making a, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. Before the Exodus, there was 430 years. We know that is the specific mm -hmm. years. That is about 400 years. Yep. 
rounding it off is there is no reason to get upset about that. Yeah. Here's a question. Do you count the 40 years in the wilderness? Yeah. What about that? Because they're technically, they're that point, they're at exodus, but they're not in exile, if you will. Correct. It's interesting. Two people can be looking at the same event with sure. great motivations, complete integrity, and complete honesty. I'll tell you the one that like I, so my wife and I were at foster care training. This is about six months ago, maybe. Anyways, so it's in between uh, sessions. We have this break. And this guy, mm -hmm. he's so pompous. He's like, I'm a pastor, too. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool. Great. Where yeah. are you at church? He's like, I don't go to church. I'm like, then you're not oh, a pastor. Oh, boy. There's like, a warning In order to be a pastor, there. you have to have a church, right? Or something, you know? Anyways, he goes. And he just starts talking foolishness and dumb things. And uh, it's taking everything in me not to say anything. But what's interesting is in foster care, many of the people in foster care are Christians. It's an interesting, like, type of person that's motivated to that sure. kind of The motivation ministry, is to love the least of these. So uh, this guy, though, he just goes off and he's like, let me tell you about one of the greatest contradictions in the Bible. Oh boy. Jesus was not in the tomb for three days. Count with me. Friday to Saturday. Oh how many days? I've heard this. One. Saturday to Sunday. How many days? Two. Jesus was in the tomb two days. Yeah, yeah. And I, this is what I'm thinking. You're a complete moron. Absolutely. Now, no offense. I don't know the guy. He'll never listen to this, right? But I, the <laughs> whole point was like, okay, the first day, Friday, the second day, Saturday, he rose on the third day, yes. Sunday. How many days, Friday, Saturday, uh -huh, uh -huh. Sunday, how many days is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Tim? It's yeah. three so this, days. So this on, is the, where, yeah. on what day mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the week did he raise? He didn't raise on the second day. He rose on yeah. the... Third day. I think we're going to have to do a podcast this sometime around Easter because I think if we read the Bible a little more accurately, we will see that there were two Sabbaths that week. Jesus was actually crucified on Thursday. There was a high Sabbath that week mm -hmm. and a regular Sabbath. So Jesus was actually in the grave three days, uh, three nights. He was in the grave three nights and three days, exactly as Jesus said. So it was a little bit more than three days and three nights. Okay, whether or not it's 72 exact hours. Oh, like, yeah. What if it was 71? Oh my gosh. What is oh, gonna end? The Bible is trustworthy. Yes. I reject Jesus and there's no point in following Jesus. Like, come on. Anyways, we've killed this question. Well, thanks listeners for joining us today. Please come back next time when we ask a more practical question. This was more on the theological realm. The practical question is, can Village Church ever add another service on Saturday morning? No. See you tomorrow. <laughs>